Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas, hosted by me, your Elevation Guide, Jenea Barnes. <laughs> hello, 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 everyone. We have a really fun episode today because we are talking about expectations and we are having technical internet difficulties. So I'm here with Isabel Firecracker and she is in the middle of a rainstorm. So her internet is going in and out and she cannot hear everything that I'm saying. So we're gonna do our best and wing this and let go of our expectations about what this was supposed to look like. And Isabel, if you can hear me, <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, awesome. And tell everybody a little bit about <laughs> what it is that you do. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Uh, I was just telling Ginny, I mean, for everyone who's listening, how how fitting this is for a, an episode about expectations and you expect things to go, you know, s smoothly and perfectly and then rainstorm and thunderstorm come along. And so I'm sorry for any technical difficulties that we might encounter in this episode. Um, <laughs> just wanted to introduce that first before I talk about a little bit about myself. Hi, I'm Isabel, uh, Isabel Firecracker. Not my real last name, but I love it. Um, I am a coach for child-free women. So for women who have decided consciously not to have children. And what I do is I help child-free women uh, get through their feelings of shame or guilt or anger or just insecurities in general that can be attached to the choice. Um, that's what I do. I also host a podcast called The Honest Uproar. Um, my podcast is a collection of interviews with women who are child-free, so who have decided not to have children. And I'm also the creator of Child-Free Rallies, which is uh, a community for child-free people that opens up spaces for child-free people who are part of minority groups to talk about different subjects. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> that is a very full and awesome nutshell. <laughs> so I think I just want to talk about how funny it is and all of the stuff that comes up when things don't go the way you expect them to go. So we expected nice, smooth communication. I always get on a little early with my guests so we can make sure there are no difficulties. But I have done been doing this long enough and have had so many technological difficulties and so many things go haywire that I kind of laugh now and I don't actually dip into all those crazy like oh my goodness it's gonna be terrible um that those terrible feelings when things don't go as expected how about you Isabel how about you um I think I've been I've been getting a lot calmer in that sense like it's, that has it has been recent for me because I used to be a huge control freak. And 
when you can't control everything around you, which is the case for every single person, then something, I mean, whatever doesn't work properly or doesn't, it just kind of like it clicks, like something clicks in your head and that can lead to a burst of anger or frustration or you name it. And I've, I've learned to just roll with it. Um, you know, things happen for a reason. And I'm just like grateful, you know, and welcoming everything that happens in my life. Yeah, I think the funny thing is I used to also be a control freak. And I think most of us have this thing where we want to try and control things. We create this idea of what it's supposed to look like in our head. We want to make sure that we never feel that crazy, terrible emotion ever again, whether it be shame or fear. So we create these structures in our life to try to keep ourselves in these little boxes so that that will never happen again. And the funniest part about it is the more we set up these structures of control, the actual less control we have. <laughs> yeah. I have found that as I let go more and more of my expectations, my sense of control, what everything's supposed to look like, that maybe I don't have control over the outside surroundings, but I have so much more control over what goes on with me internally. And like you said, you can just roll with the flow and have a big laugh when the internet is not working. Yeah. I think that's, it's very important to find a way to understand that as human beings in general, that, the only thing that you have control of is your own reaction to things and your own feelings and your own thoughts. And you can't make everyone around you or things around you um, work how you want them to work. You need to also adapt sometimes. Uh, and I think that's very, it's a, it's a very valuable lesson, I think. It's true, it's very valuable. But it's also really hard because we have all this stuff coming at us. And one thing I really kind of want to dig into today, and especially with what you work on with people, is other people's expectations for us. How do we manage that? Because as women, as men, as human beings, we have to deal with the expectations of our parents of our friends, our bosses, and even the strangers on the street that expect you to be a certain way because you look a certain way or you walk a certain way. I'm wondering how much of a delay we're on right now. <laughs> All right, so I'm sending Isabella a note about other people's expectations. Since other people's expectations. I got it. Okay. Um, wow. That's a big one because we're all born uh, in societies, in communities, in families. In, we are born in structures that kind of dictate in a way 
how you need to behave, what you need to want for your own life, how a perfect life look, looks like in, in a way, right? So um, when you're a child, you see the adults doing things and not only are they doing things, but they're also telling you when you grow up, you're going to do this. When you grow up, you're going to find a partner. When you grow up, you're going to have kids. So it's this, what they're trying to explain their own world to you by means. Oops. It looks like Isabel's connection just completely dropped out. Oh, wait, here she's back again. I think she's back again. All right. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> oh my God. I, and thank you for everyone who's watching and being patient because <laughs> this is a little bit, I know. Um, so I was saying uh, how adults basically um, talk to children in, in the sense, you know, tell them, you know, when you're going to see this by their own experience, this is what you're going to see in your own life. And you'll understand when you grow up and you'll understand when this happens to you. So it's like we're groomed or we're pretty, for, from a very young age, we more or less know how our lives need to look like, right? Um, whether we live in a, in a first world country or in a developing country, whether we are part or not of a religious uh, community or whether we are part or not of, I don't know, a, politic, a political family, I don't know, you name it. Like there's so many so many rules, so many boxes that you need to tick, so many things that you need to check off your list. Um, and parents also have their own specific expectations according to, I mean, it's the way that they see the world. So if your parents are highly educated, I would say that they would, you know, they expect their children to also be highly educated in the future, for example, just to put an example out there. Um, so that creates a lot of pressure on people to fit in basically. So the expectations are also completely linked to that need that we have as human beings to be part of something, be part of a community, be part of a group, fit in, and also be um, accepted basically, because it's all about acceptance. So if I do this and this, this is the list, so, step one, step two, step three, um, then I'm going to be accepted in this group. And breaking off those expectations is really hard. It's very, very hard. There are people who have made choices based on those expectations that didn't want to make those choices specifically. But they couldn't or they didn't find themselves in a position to question them and to take a stand and say, this is not what I want in my life. Right. It's really interesting. I think a lot of people grow up and they just go through the motions of what it is that they're expected to do. And they don't know that they actually have choice, that they can step outside of what it is that they are expected to do. But here's the kicker, and you guys that follow me, you guys know that I work a lot with the subconscious mind. And the kicker is that even when you choose 
to step outside of step outside of what you're expected to do there is still probably a lot of subconscious programming pulling at your strings underneath the surface and i think this plays a lot into what isabel what you do in that working with people to overcome the shame because there's this belief that you're supposed to do a certain thing, be a certain way. I remember talking to one of um, my clients and she got educated, but her she was from a very blue collar family and she had to overcome the beliefs and expectations and thoughts of her family saying, well, we're not those kind of people. Those kind of people are snooty. Those kind of people are terrible. Those, so not only did she have to choose big into something different by choosing to get an education, but she had to power through those beliefs and all of that stuff going in on within her, those, stu those little voices. We all have those little voices that say, oh, well, in her case, it might be something like, well, aren't you such a goody two-shoe snobby person now or something like that or whatever it might be yeah i and i can relate i mean in the sense that specifically for well myself because i'm also child free and the women that i work with you cannot imagine how many times i've heard women in general mothers childhood women in general say i did not know that having children was a choice because that's how we are, I mean, we're raised, especially people who are born with a uterus, we're raised thinking or, or hearing that we need to use it, right? So when you grow up, you're gonna be a mom, when you have children, when you marry the man you know, that you love and then you, you know, have kids with this person or, or whatever. Um, so it's, it's never, there isn't, ever a question of this is something that you might want for your life it's always something that you will eventually do and depending on how how much that pressure is felt on women in general or just people in general but depending on how hard how how suffocating that pressure is then it's also hard to change your mindset about it and to understand, yes, you know, having children is a choice um, because everything around us is telling us otherwise. Everything around us is telling us you need to reproduce and not only, uh, I don't know, maybe um, camp ad campaigns or TV shows. I'm also talking about the people around you, your family, your peers, your friends, your coworkers. Uh, everyone questions why you don't want to have children, but nobody questions why you want to have children. So it's it's really embedded in just in, in general in like people's heads. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting we talk about that that expectation that we will have children and how ingrained that expectation is and the beliefs that go along i think with genders in general are really ingrained in our societies they're a little bit more from country to country but i think generally speaking 
we as women are supposed to or we're expected to be soft, be kind, not be strong and forceful, not exercise and really push forth our views. If we do, then we're labeled as a bitch. We're labeled as the C word or things like that. And men, on the other hand, get chastised. I have a good friend of mine and part of it's, you know, of course, who he's spending time with, but he gets so upset because every time he shows emotion, I mean, and this guy's big, he is built like you would not want to mess with him. He is built. So, but whenever he shows emotion, he gets chastised by the women he's around. And so there's this expectation that especially probably reinforced by how he looks that he has to be strong and tough and can't sh show anything. Yeah. There are definitely uh, expectations based on gender. Like there are expectations based on, like I said, religion or background, country, culture. I am Latina myself, and people uh, in my country and in my region in general, they believe that women by the age of 30 need to have at least two children. And if by the age of 30 you haven't married and you haven't had children, then you're a failure as a woman. You're a complete failure. Um, so that's also, you know, it, it's, there are certain things that we've been told, that we've been taught, um, and being able to overcome those expectations in the sense to say, is this really what I want? Like, first of all, first of all, questioning them. And then if you don't have to question them because you know exactly what you want to overcome those expectations from other people and be able to say, I'm going to do my own thing and everyone else can go to hell basically um <laughs> yeah. it's it's not easy for everyone some people have it a lot easier than other people but you know and and to the point to what you just said about you know how gender roles work uh, i recently somebody this guy that i've been talking to we're not dating or anything we're just getting to know each other but he said to me oh you're like super pragmatic um very rational. We're talking, I don't remember exactly what we're talking about, but he was like, you're very pragmatic. You're rational. You're like a dude. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? So women are not supposed to be pragmatic and rational. We're supposed to be stupid and sensitive. What I don't understand, <laughs> you know, like, um, and uh, it's, it's hard sometimes to hear things like that from other people, even though I, I mean, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know my personality very well, but sometimes it's hard to hear from other people things like, uh, you're you're like a dude, or you're like so-and-so insert here, whatever it is that you're not. It's not like it's, it would be a bad thing to be in, in, in any sense of the world, it's just that I'm not. Because immediately, it's like you, their perception of you shifts as well. So, and that also is part of the expectation of how a woman needs to, specifically in this case, how we, how I need to behave because I'm a woman. So. It's interesting. The other thing, I mean, the brain itself 
it wants to categorize it's always trying to make sense of things so especially when two new people are dating or getting to know each other it makes sense to me that the brain is trying to put you put you in a box as or whoever we're talking about in a box trying to make sense of you oh okay you're more like a dude so therefore i'm gonna try relating to you like a dude but that doesn't work it's like anytime we're trying to put somebody in a box we're doing that same thing i talked about earlier with control we're creating structure we're creating this thing where now if somebody goes outside the box it gets it, it messes with their expectations they get upset they get mad they get whatever their reaction might be i remember walking with my ex-boyfriend and i had been going through a lot of transformation during this time period and he was kind of checked out he had kind of checked out on himself on the relationship and i had been growing and working towards so much and we were on this hike and i was just quiet walking on this hike and he was so confused because he was so used to me talking and he was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing. I'm just enjoying the nature because I hadn't seen nature in like a year. <laughs> and he was so confused and upset because he had this expectation that I was a talker and I am a talker, but not always. And so this messed with his head and it made him get weird. And I chose to just not get weird and enjoy the nature, but <laughs> I let him have his own expectations. Yeah. Um, Oops, Isabel dropped off again. The rainstorm must be getting bigger and bigger. She'll hopefully be back. But in the meantime, one of the things that I find so interesting about expectations is it is the thing hi welcome back i was just saying that i was that expectation is one of the things that leads to disappointment and disappointment that is completely avoidable what do you have to say about that i completely agree um because and it's interesting the image that you said about you know, creating these structures around people and what we want from people, because those structures are created by the person who's observing, right? So you're the one who's like, okay, so this person is like this, and you're categorizing, and then you're you're trying more or less to understand the the person, and then it it's like you're creating some sort of roadmap in a way. This is the way that I need to treat this person. This is the way that this person is going to treat me. And it's, you know, it's going to go this way or whatever. And then when that person starts acting differently for whatever reason, because we can't, I mean, human beings, we're ever changing, we're ever evolving. We have mood swings, all of us. Um, so, of course, you're going to like, this, it's easy for disappointment to appear and but it is completely avoidable in the sense that if you don't create those expectations and that really very, very rigid structure around other people's behaviors, then you shouldn't be disappointed. Yeah, I think 
I think maybe in the job place, there's definitely a place for expectation because we're trying to accomplish things and get stuff done. But I think in regards to people and having expectations about how people are supposed to think, what they're supposed to be like, or how they're supposed to feel and act. I think that if we really let go of all of those expectations, I mean, this is a near impossible task. I'm pretty good at letting go of expectations, but I am definitely not, I have not mastered it. But um, by letting go of expectations around other people, we will allow so much more flow and so much more love to actually enter into our lives. Think about a children, children, for example. I mean, I know I don't have children. Isabel doesn't have children, but kids don't have this basis of a lifetime to draw conclusions from. So they're much more open and inviting to other people until they've been taught or shown through modeling that that's not what they should do. And so they don't have any expectation. So imagine what it would be like to actually live your life like a child at just being open with no expectation and having no idea what's going to come at you, but be able to flow with it and feel that kind of ease. Well, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> but being adults, uh, that would be perfect. I mean, if I could go back to the mind of my five-year-old or four-year-old when I was five or four years old, to see the world and with that gaze of wonder and like discovery and not really, you know, prejudging people because this is the thing about expectations. You kind of prejudge people as well and, and situations. Instead of doing that, just stepping into it, sort of like blindly leaping in to put it in a way. Um, as adults, we don't do that um, because we have a lot more information. And we have a lot more uh, experience. And yes, I mean, expectations, I think expectations can be good when they pertain to things that only involve yourself and things that you wanna do for yourself. So for example, uh, spiritual evolution or changing career. I think those are good, you know, those types of expectations because those are the ones that help you set your goals, and then you can build towards them. Uh, but anything else is just completely outside the realm of our control. Um, and yeah, I mean, I wish I could have, you know, that wondering mind that I had as a, as a child, that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think you hit the nail on the head, and we kind of are circling right back on this, that we can only really control ourselves and what's going on within ourselves. We can't control the world around us. So having expectations for yourself and having goals, I think I agree. I think that's a great thing to aspire to. And as far as the rest of the world, because of our 
rich amount of experience every year we go by we start drawing conclusions and this is the fault of a circuit in our brain called the default mode network i like to call this the assumption brain and it was part of our evolution to keep us safe basically in a fight and flight situation where your life is threatened it's really important that you see probably only the saber-toothed tiger that's gonna kill you and the cave that's gonna provide safety. You probably in that moment do not need to notice the tulips and the butterflies and all the other things because your life is at risk. But when it comes to judging other people, when it comes to everything else, we need to be able to step back and see more of the picture unless our life is actually in danger so that we can drop some of those expectations we can allow more possibility in i absolutely agree with you um you know somebody said to me that because of that you know those years and years of evolution men had tunnel vision because they were hunters and well males and female we had like a more big picture kind of vision um because we were the ones who you know we were uh, we, we provided the care and you know the children or whatever um and but now because this is something that has evolved for so many years i wonder nowadays with you know men are not out hunting anymore women are not all staying at home taking care of the offspring and there's so much technology technological advancements i'm wondering how 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 real that is still you know how valid that is because it is true that i mean i would love to see the bigger picture most of the time sometimes you just get so caught up on on like very small things um so, you know, I wonder how, if that still rings true, what do you, what do you think, Jenea? Well, I've actually heard the same thing and it makes sense. If you're hunting, you need to have that extreme narrow focus because that's what's going to keep you alive. And if the women were back at camp and they were trying to weave the baskets, watching the kids, it was about multitasking that men had trouble with multitasking and women were really good at it is the way i heard it um but i do think that that rings true to some degree but i think it also it kind of depends on what your lineage is you know we talked about when you grow up you you mimic what you see in your family so if nobody for generation after generation has really done anything to challenge that, to choose something different, to choose something outside of the model they were shown as a kid, I think that we probably have, you know, the guy watching TV and can't hear and see anything that's going on around him because he's focused on the TV. And, but then, you know, what if that same person started becoming a chef 
now being a chef, you have to be able to multitask. You have to be able to pay attention to like 50 different things at once, get the timing right. So, and there have been plenty of people that have moved from one line of thinking to the next. And that really goes and shows us that our brain is changeable. It's plastic. And if we want to create a different world for those that are having children, that one of the big things they need to do is model something different so that the kid knows that there's a choice. If you're only brought up around certain types of people, and I think this is why they do career day in school so that kids can actually see there's more possibilities than what just their parents do. Because even if it's wired in, that it's kind of in your subconscious to go this certain route to understand that you have a choice is really important to shifting out of it. And I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were talking about how many women did not realize that having a child is a choice. That is unfortunately the case for many women. And there are women who have realized it after they already have children. And it's not that they don't love their children. They love their children and they don't regret having them. But maybe they think, if I'd known this, maybe I would have made a different decision. Maybe I would have maybe focused on something different. Um, that doesn't mean that they love their children less, like I said, but it's, I mean, I think the lack of awareness, and this is one of the most, for me, it's one of the most important topics uh, regarding uh, sexual liberties and just reproductive rights in general. Um, because in this world, we are never old enough, we're never mature enough to know ourselves, to make the decision to not have children. We're told things like, you're going to change your mind. Uh, you're going to regret it. When you're old, who's going to take care of you? There's just so many things that we get told as, as people who decide not to have children. But at the same time, if we were to have children, nobody would ever question that. So for me, it doesn't make sense. How is it that I'm mature enough to have children, but I'm not mature enough to make the decision not to have them? And it all boils down to the expectations of society and the expectations of people around you. And it's very striking, especially in communities and societies that are um, very nuclear family-centered, especially those who are very Catholic or Christian, so the ones that are closer to traditional religions, but I'm, I'm going to talk specifically about Catholicism and Christianism because I know very little about Islam and Judaism. Um, and, and just being, you know, from a Latin American country that is very, I mean, deeply rooted in religion. People would say to you, you know, it's in the Bible, you need to reproduce. God said, go forth and multiply. And that's the whole argument. So um, expectations are also, it's not only about what they're observing on society, what's happening around them. It's also based on beliefs that have been with humanity for hundreds and hundreds of years that maybe don't serve a purpose anymore in this world. People used to reproduce 
in that time and age, I'm talking 2000 years ago, 1500 years ago, because there wasn't a lot of people living in the planet. <laughs> they didn't think about it. They needed to have children because it was uh, something that had to do with populating the earth, having more hands to work, more, so more people working, um, being able to inherit land because women were not allowed to inherit. So it had to be inherited via male line. Uh, they needed more people for armies as well. It was, a lot, it was about power. It was about political power um, to be able to conquer other territories. It was, it was about all these things that we don't need anymore. There's billions, literally billions of people in this planet. Um, so those arguments don't serve a purpose anymore. I'm not questioning why people have children nowadays in the sense that some people have their reasons and that's okay. But if somebody comes to me and says, you need to have children because we need more people in the army <laughs> to conquer other territories, I'm gonna be like, God, no. <laughs> that's not a good reason to have children. <laughs> not in this day and age. I'm sure it was a valid reason back then, but not now. It's interesting, though, as we go with, you know, these expectations from the past and how we've carried them generation to generation and how they don't necessarily apply anymore. One of the things that I really like to do with my clients when they're observing a situation is especially, you know, telling me about a situation that didn't go well and they didn't like I'm like, look at it as if you are a fly on the ceiling, looking down from above with no emotional attachment to it. And then we, when we do this, we can start to really look at societal expectations and how silly they are. But then if we kind of go back in time, we roll back the script and we go back in time and see, you know, in the medieval times, oh, that makes perfect sense. I totally get it, but But it's funny that you mentioned that because after the Industrial Revolution came the wars, right? 
And during the wars in Europe, it was the women who went to work to the factories because all the men were fighting the war. And so they had to regain their, their spot, to put it in a way, re, as, you know, working, but at the same time, they had their children, so they had to go home and take care of them. And it was like the whole um, multitasking, but in a different level because they, they were actually going out of home and just going to the factory and work. Um, and then after the war ended, they were again relegated back into the role pre-war, even though men realized, oh, women, they can also do this. But there was that power dynamic had shifted, I think, way before the Industrial Revolution in the sense that because, you know, biologically speaking, men are stronger and in general, uh, they're stronger and they're taller and they're, you know, uh, and it, it was all about physical power before. It's something that has just been passed on from generation to generation up until even today. We still he see a lot of things that are sexist and misogynistic things happening in the world and, and they shouldn't. Uh, and it is all about, you know, the expectation of, you know, men having to be in power all the time and women being the weaker sex. And, you know, let's not, and that's only talking in binary terms. If we talk about this in all the other, you know, different genders that exist nowadays, plus minorities, and we put all these elements in, it, it gets a lot more complicated. For sure. It's really also the other thing I find interesting, you know, we talked a lot about modeling and expectations. And so during the war, a lot of women went to work and that was unheard of. But then those kids grew up having seen a different choice. So then you have 20, 30 years later, when we hit the 60s, and we hit women fighting for um, more equal rights and pushing into really shifting the expectations. And again, I really think it comes down so much to that modeling and what we see growing up. So we see that there's something different and we realize that we have a choice. And even though there's still all these expectations of how it's supposed to be, the moment you realize you have a choice, and we always have a choice, but most of the time, a lot of the time people don't realize it. But the moment you realize you have a choice, you can change things. I think that's the most important thing. I think that's what I try to, um, you know, when I have my coaching clients, it's, it's always about showing, not showing them, but leading them towards a place where they realize that they have a choice and like having that, just becoming conscious and becoming aware of that is the most important thing because afterwards it's about just working through the fears and that working through fears and working through uh, expectations even and working through um, beliefs, I think it's a lot easier than it is to understand that you do have a choice, that you don't have to live your life in a certain way just because that's what your parents expect from you, your peers expect from you, your husband, your wife, you name it. And I think that's the most important thing. And I definitely think too, the other piece with expectation and choice is a lot of a lot of us don't realize we have the right to want what we want. 
we might not be able to get it. I mean, some things are like, if I really want to sit on the moon, <laughs> I'm probably not going to get that, but I still totally have the right to want it. And so getting in touch with what it is that you really want. And I think a lot of people are afraid to really want something because maybe they have, I mean, there are a lot of different things. Maybe their worth is low and they don't think they, they deserve to have it, or they just don't even think that they have the right to want it. I mean, you know, how many times do you hear people say, I, I should be grateful. I shouldn't complain because so many people are worse off than I am, but you still have the right to want whatever it is you want. And that's a really important piece to self-esteem because denying yourself the right to want it and think it and feel it, it denies a part of you and it damages your self-esteem. So again, with that just moving into, you don't have to day in the box of everybody else's expectations. You can want what you want. You have a choice. You get to feel what you feel. You can choose what you want to choose. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. <laughs> there's just, I mean, there's just the feeling of unworthiness what? is just so rampant, you know? The feel the people yeah. feeling that they are not they're they're not worthy of insert whatever here it's just so common and yeah. i think that's one of the hardest beliefs to to break in a way yeah i believe it's the number one source of self-sabotage personally it is the one thing when we don't believe we deserve something it we just throw a monkey wrench in it. We will not go after what we want. We will not stand up for ourselves. We will not accept gifts, that great job, love, all of those things. And all of those things that we crave and we want, but that feeling of unworthiness and that lack of self-worth really does throw the biggest wrench into everything. And it keeps us beholden to other people's expectations instead of looking in within ourselves and really finding what it is that we want, what it is that we want out of our life, whether it's to have children, to have no children, to have a crazy career that's off the charts or to have a very middle ground life and feel that ease of family or whatever it might be. It's like you get to want that and you deserve to have what it is that you want. Absolutely. So one of my very favorite quotes about expectations is from a man named Kyle Cease. And some of you guys, I feel like I say this all the time, but it is so true. When we talk about, when we're especially talking about love, and in love and relationship, I think, is where we get into the most trouble with expectation. But he says, he has this quote that says, what if nobody ever broke your heart? They only broke your expectation. That's interesting. 
Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about, right? Totally. Yeah. So as I look back on my past relationships and when I, my heart was the most broken was definitely when I had expectations my biggest heart, the first big heartbreak was the first guy I thought I was going to marry. And I grew up thinking it's not possible to love somebody enough to want to spend the rest of your life with them. And, and then it happened. And then I expected that it would happen, that I would spend the rest of my life with this person. And then when it fell apart, I think just that expectation that I could even feel that and I could hang on to that particular feeling for the rest of my life. I think it was more about that expectation than actually about him. I can relate to that completely um, because after I've broken up on some of my relationships and I start thinking about, you know, what, what the dynamics of a relationship were, uh, and what led us to break up, I realized that um, there was so much about the actual dynamic that I wasn't seeing, really. I was just holding on to those expectations of this is how it's got to be. This is how I want it to be. And then I think realizing that my expectations weren't going to be fulfilled uh, in the end, but it wasn't really about acceptance or non-acceptance. You know, it wasn't really about saying, I expect this person to be like this and they're not, maybe I can adapt because I'm talking about really serious things. I'm talking about uh, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, gaslighting. Um, right. So it's, it, was, it was toxic. Um, and, and here I was holding on to those expectations and, and not seeing the truth that I had right in front of my nose. Um, yeah. Mm. It's tough sometimes. Yeah. I can relate. Like really hanging on to the expectations and not seeing what's real. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that we do in relationship, especially when it starts off a certain way. Like my last relationship was a certain way for the first year and then it changed. And I just kept thinking that it could be that that way again, instead of really just letting go of that expectation and being right in with where I really was. So as we're nearing the end of the hour, Isabel, why don't you tell us what you have to offer and how people can get in touch with you and Sure. So uh, I think you can find me the easiest on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram, not so much on the other social media platforms. Um, my handle is at the Uprising Spark. And there's also my, my website is theuprisingspark.com. Um, you can find me there. You can find all the information of who I am, what it is that I do. Um, I have a program for individual coaching, like one-on-one -on -one coaching for child for women who are feeling a little bit, uh, who are feeling, what's the word, a little bit insecure due to their choice because they're feeling the pressure of expectation from other people. 
Um, so I work with women like that. Uh, I also work with women who are on the fence, who don't know if they want to have children or not, who haven't made up their mind. I work with women like that. I coach them as well. And it's never about helping them to make the decision. It's always about helping them to see what they want for their lives and then women deciding if a child fits in that vision or not. So it's it's still a very personal decision. Um, I also have child-free rallies, like I mentioned. So those are on Patreon. Uh, you can see the link on my, the link you can find it on my Instagram um, profile or on my website. Um, last, this month's rally was uh, how minorities and majorities shape the child-free choice. And next month is how to um, manifest the child-free life of your dreams. So that's going to be very interesting as well. Yeah. So, and if you want to DM me, my DMs are always open. Awesome. And for me, you guys can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm at Jenea Barnes, which is G-E-N-E-A-B-A-R-N-E-S. And then my website is JeneaBarnes-Elevate.com. And I help people go from self-sabotage to self-mastery. We clear up the subconscious tendrils that are keeping you from having the life that you want. You guys can just reach out and DM me wherever, website, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. <laughs> all right, Isabel, I know the thunderstorm's taking your computer power away, so let's... Uh, Tell everyone goodbye and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Jenea, for the opportunity. And thank you for everyone who's listening to this for your patience with all our technical issues and also for listening to our conversation. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Great. Thank you. And we will see you guys next time on Self-Sabotaging Sagas. Bye.